InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. When people talk about reducing vehicle-related fatalities, drunk driving and other factors are often mentioned, but rarely do they bring up speeding. InfoTrack's Roy Mackey talked to an expert to find out why. Roy? Thank you, Chris. Jonathan Atkins is the executive director of the Governor's Highway Safety Association, and they recently issued a new report about excessive speed on our nation's highways. So, Jonathan, how widespread is speeding in terms of crashes and fatalities? Speeding continues to kill about 10,000 of our friends and neighbors every year across the country. It's a pervasive problem, and it's one that we really haven't made a lot of progress in addressing uh, the last few years. So it's a big deal for sure. And when we say speeding, are we talking about going 57 in a 55 zone, or how do you define it? We're really looking at anything above the posted speed limit, but the bulk of these crashes are excessive speeding. You know, we're not talking about 26 in a 25. What's been occurring across the country is nearly every state has increased their speed limit. Many states have increased it significantly to 75 or even 80 miles an hour or more. And so what's happening is there's that speed buffer. You know, if a sign is posted a certain speed limit, we all know we can go a little bit above it or even a lot above it and probably get away with it. And the sad fact is we're probably correct. And so it becomes a real double whammy for safety in that posted speed limit signs are increasing, and then there's that speed cushion. And when we talk about driving 85 or 90 miles an hour, if you're in a crash, even if you're wearing your seatbelt, you're probably not likely to survive, or if you do survive it, you're going to be seriously injured. So that's unfortunately what's occurring in many parts of the country. And speed contributes to, what, the majority of crashes, or what percentage are we talking about? It's about a third of all crashes. And what we see with people who speed, and again, speed excessively, is that they take other risks. About half of the people who are killed in speeding crashes also aren't wearing a seatbelt. They may be distracted by a cell phone. They may be impaired by alcohol or drugs. So there are a host of things going on, but about a third of all traffic deaths every year are speed-related. And I would also just say from observation that many people who are speeding are also following the car in front of them too close because they want to get around them. Right. We tend to be aggressive. We just don't talk about speed in the way that we talk about drunk driving, the way even that we talk about distracted driving. Most of us don't think of it as a safety challenge because most of us speed. We do it every day. We do it consistently. It's not like distracted driving where maybe we're on our phone for a little while and then we put the phone away. When we speed, we tend to speed for long periods of our trip. Jonathan, is this a greater issue in congested areas or in maybe more rural areas of our highway system? More rural areas for the most part, for obvious reasons. Whenever we see the open highway, we tend to want to speed even further. But speed is an issue everywhere. It's an issue in urban areas, particularly with the mix of pedestrians and bicyclists growing. If a car is driving 40 miles an hour, versus 25 and hits a pedestrian or a bicyclist, the difference in survival rates is much different at 25 versus 40. You called your report Speeding Away from Zero, Rethinking a Forgotten Traffic Safety Challenge. Why do you think speeding has kind of just fallen by the wayside in terms of being a concern for organizations like yours or just drivers in general? Well, for drivers in general, we all speed. We're in a rush. We're trying to get to daycare. We're trying to get to soccer practice. We're under the gun, so to speak, much more so than we used to be. I think that's part of the reason that we're on our cell phones all the time. We can't just do one thing at a time. We feel that we have to multitask, and uh, speed is a symptom of that. 
Now, I want to ask, you mentioned people being on cell phones. Is the greatest danger people being distracted when they're driving, or is the speed? What is, in general, the biggest concern? They're both concerns, and the data that we have, speed is a bigger factor, but that doesn't minimize the role that cell phones play. In many cases, we're probably doing both those things at once. We're speeding, we're probably not wearing our seatbelt, and we may be using a cell phone at once. So we've got a host of challenges if we are going to get to a point where we have zero or very few roadway deaths. The thing about all these different topics, these are all preventable. These are not things that just randomly happen. These are because of human choices. And that's really what we need to do with speed is we need to think of it in the same way that we think of drunk driving. Right now, there's not an organization out there like MAD that's focused on speeding. And so one of the things that we're hoping to do with our partners is to engage victim organizations and people that have lost a loved one in a speed-related crash to speak out and try to put a face with these needless deaths. Your report says we do need to address this on a much deeper and more comprehensive level than has been done in the past. What other steps would you like to see? Well, for one, we can look at enforcement in areas where there have been a lot of speed-related crashes. We can put in cameras and have automated enforcement to help change human behavior. There's a lot we can do with infrastructure, roadway design. When we look at things like roundabouts, particularly in urban areas, that that can have a big factor in calming traffic. We need to look at our speed limit laws. It's a state prerogative, but we need to talk about speed limits, set a speed limit that's reasonable, and then we actually need to enforce it. So much of our challenge is the perception that speed limits are really just a suggestion rather than a law. Ultimately, the biggest obstacle here in making a dent to this problem is changing the minds of motorists who probably have been speeding for years and years. That's a tall order, isn't it, to change ingrained driving habits? It's a tall order, but it doesn't mean that we can't do it. If you look at 20 years or so ago or more, we had a seatbelt use of about 20, 25% lower than what we have now. We have about a 90% seatbelt use right now. So change does happen. If you look at drunk driving, where we are now, where we were a generation ago, there's a very different attitude. I like to compare it to being at a cocktail party. If you're at a cocktail party and you say you were drunk and you drove somewhere, people will look at you like you're crazy. And if you say that you're speeding, people aren't going to bat an eye. But we can get there, and the report that we issued has some concrete steps that should and can be taken. Any advice for parents who have young drivers in terms of this topic? most important thing for parents is that our young drivers don't do what we say, they do what we do. And so we need to make sure that we are exhibiting a safe behavior. If our kids see us speeding, see us distracted behind the wheel, they're going to do the same thing, particularly when we're not in the car. And so that change needs to begin with ourselves as parents, and we need to exemplify safe behavior. And Jonathan, I understand you have some tools for parents and teenagers who are just learning to drive. We do. The Governor's Highway Safety Association and Ford Motor Company have partnered on a free program called Driving Skills for Life. This is a hands-on program that comes around the country, trains young drivers on how to be safer drivers. It also trains parents on some things that they should know. Law enforcement and other experts are involved. The website is drivingskillsforlife.com. That's drivingskillsforlife.com. It's a very cool, high-tech website with some great tools for parents and young drivers alike. We'll get them behind the wheel. It's a lot of fun. We utilize technology. We're able to demonstrate drowsy driving and drugged driving and drunk driving in some really innovative ways. So we're able to talk to teens in a way that you have to, to in order to reach them, and that's through technology. It's, this is not a classroom-style effort. 
Jonathan Atkins, the executive director of the Governor's Highway Safety Association. Now, Jonathan, where can people learn more online? People can go to our website, which is ghsa.org, to read the report and also see what speed limits are in their uh, states and communities. Thank you again for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for the call. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks.